Welcome to the Marion Road Christian Church Podcast. Marion Road exists to glorify God through worship, sharing the good news, making and developing disciples, and serving others. Good morning, Marion Church. Oh man, it must, you guys must be tired. Good morning, Marion Church. There we go, that's much better. It's good to be here. My name is Curtis McGinnis. I'm executive director of Crossroads Church Park, that you support here as a church. And so I just want to say, first off, thank you so much for being a supporter of our ministry. I thought I'd give just a brief update on our ministry before I get into uh, God's word here today. But we really have had a banner year at Crossroads Church Partners, and it wouldn't be possible without support from individuals and churches just like yourself. Uh, One of the main things we do is we continue to offer Christian higher education classes. And uh, I the leadership of the church here that allows us to use this facility uh, to do our classes. On Monday nights, uh, we have classes out here. This last year, we had, uh, actually just this last fall, we had 96 students take classes from us. Uh, And all of those students are ministry students. That's all we offer is ministry and Bible classes. And so almost 100 students taking classes on, uh, on how they can just be better prepared. Many of them are lay people just like yourselves who are maybe volunteers in the church or maybe you're a deacon in the church or an elder. And they just want to be better uh, to serve Christ and his kingdom. Uh, we have a couple classes coming up here in the middle of January. We invite you if you're interested to, uh, to sign up for these classes. You can sign up for free. Uh, these are all our classes are offered free of charge. We scholarship them so students can take them free of charge. You can take them just for audit, which is what a lot of people do, which means all we ask you to do is to show up on class on Monday night uh, and, uh, and to come and uh, do that. Or you can take them for credit as well. Either way, there's no cost to you because we scholarship them. Uh, Rick taught. Rick, did you teach one class this last fall? Rick taught one class this last fall. I taught a couple. Uh, so, But in January here, we have a class on making disciples. This is a great class to take. Uh, as, as I recall in reading the Bible, Jesus tells us to go and make disciples. And so if you want to be better at making disciples, we would encourage you to sign up for that. I'll be teaching a class on balancing ministry and personal life. I can tell you I'm not an expert on that. I'll be learning right along with you in that class. So we'd invite you to sign up for those. Uh, what do we have next here, Adam? One of the, also another thing we do is we put on a flourish conference every year. This conference is designed for those of you who are in leadership or seeking leadership position. Again, if you're a deacon, an elder, uh, the ministers in the church, I know the church has participated in the past. Uh, this year we have it coming up February 23rd and 24th. So mark your calendars. Mac Lake is going to be here. Uh, he'll be up at Valley Christian Church up in the cities. Uh, in Lakeville, and he'll be speaking specifically on developing a leadership pipeline within your church. I know that's one of the things that the Marion Church here has been talking about, is how to create and develop that leadership pipeline. You're beginning to do some of those things. This would be a great encouragement for the leadership to come and to learn some things uh, from Mac Lake as he comes and shares that with our churches. This last year, we actually did three Flourish conferences. We did one in Minnesota, one in Wisconsin. We've done those for a number of years. And then we offered one for the first time in South Dakota as well this last year. And so this is an effort for us to, again, serve and to give back to the local church to help strengthen local churches. One final thing that I just want to touch on is church planting. 
This is our newest venture, and we helped to start new churches in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and the UP of Michigan. And this last year, we started one new church. We are currently financially supporting two churches right now. Uh, I have them on the next slide there, Adam. Our newest church was launched in September. It is called Revive Church. It is in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. It is a multi-ethnic church, so we're really excited about that. Uh, and they are specifically reaching out to families with special needs children. And so they're doing something unique. They're doing a Saturday evening service uh, to better reach families with special needs kids. And so we have a Revive Church in Milwaukee. And then we have 1128 Community, which is about two years old. They're just south of Milwaukee as well. And we're really looking forward to 2024. We have a couple different projects in mind. Uh, one of them is a Hmong church plant up in the Twin Cities. And the other one is actually uh, a church plant in Fargo, North Dakota. Right now, there are no Restoration Movement churches this church is affiliated with. There are no Restoration Movement churches in North Dakota at all. And uh, so we're excited about the possibility of planting a new church in North Dakota this next year as well. Uh, the last slide I have here is just some ways that you can stay connected with us on Facebook. We do an e-news once a month. Many of you are signed up for that. Uh, again, we thank you as a church for being a financial supporter of our ministry to make all of this possible. Uh, it wouldn't be possible without churches and individuals, again, who are supporting the ministry to better serve the churches here in the upper Midwest. Let's pray, and then we'll... Father, we are grateful for the opportunity to gather. As we've sang today, as we've celebrated this past week of the birth of Jesus Christ, of the hope that it means that God is with us, uh, Emmanuel is here. Uh, thank you so much uh, for this privilege. And as we dig into your word, Lord, give us eyes to see and ears to hear from your word. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. About 15 years ago, we were living out on the East Coast, and my brother came out to visit us, and uh, I was born and raised in Wisconsin, and so that means uh, that if you cut my veins open, I bleed Packers. It just is the way that it is. I also bleed cheese, you know, because I'm from Wisconsin. So, but uh, he came out to visit me on the, on the East Coast, and we decided to go see the Packers were playing at the Philadelphia Eagles. So they're playing in Philly. Anybody know anything about football knows that Philly fans are not very friendly. Even though Philadelphia means city of brotherly love, they have no love for anybody other than their Philadelphia Eagles. And so I knew that we were in trouble as we were about a mile away from the stadium. And my brother and I were wearing our Packers jerseys, and we were with my poor friend who happened to be an Eagles fan, and he was wearing his Eagles jersey. But he was with us, so he got lumped in with us. But we're about a mile away, and all of a sudden, there are people, again, tailgating, things like that. And they see us in our jerseys, and they start yelling at us. And they start, like, harassing us. And we haven't even gotten to the stadium yet. And as we drive closer and get into the parking lot, they continue to harass us and verbal insult us. And it goes all the way as we walk into the stadium. It doesn't get any better from here, of course. Uh, the game begins to start. The Packers are winning. They get madder at us. They continue, they begin to throw food at us. 
food and popcorn and I don't know, all sorts of things are thrown at us. Verbal insults are thrown at us. Our only reprieve was for a few minutes when, um, when they began fighting with each other uh, instead of fighting and getting uh, mad at us. And it was in this time, and I don't get scared very often, but I was pretty scared. Uh, when you get around a bunch of drunk people uh, who are fanatics about their football team, and you're the opposing team, uh, it was a little bit scary. And I was thinking, how are we going to get out of this? I began getting a sense of overwhelm, of this is not going to end very well. And thinking, what is it that, how, what is the exit plan for us to survive out of this city of brotherly love? I don't know about you, but where do you turn to when you get overwhelmed and feel like things are out of control? Where do you turn? Where do you turn for when you're looking for help? Oftentimes, people turn to alcohol and drugs to seek to deaden the pain. Some people look to the government, which always seems to shift the blame. Maybe we turn to video games and food to try to escape the pain. Or we turn to self-help in hoping that maybe we can overcome the pain and the burdens and the cares on our own. Now, we're here at church, so you can guess what I'm going to talk about where we need to turn. But I don't want to tell us to turn to God as a Sunday school answer or as a platitude. I want us to look at a psalm today that tells us to turn to God, but turn to God very specifically because of the attributes of who God is and what he has done for us. The psalm I want to look at talks about God as the great protector of us all. But even more so than that, it gives us three things about God and who he is and why we should turn to him in whatever the circumstances of our life. I'm going to be looking at Psalm 46 today. If you have your Bibles, you can follow along or the words will be and the verses will be up here on the screen as well. Here's why the first reason we should turn to God. One is because God is immovable. Immovable. This is what it says in Psalm 46, verses 1 through 3. It says, God is our refuge and strength, always ready to help in times of trouble. So we will not fear when earthquakes come and mountains crumble into the sea. Let the oceans roar and foam. Let the mountains tremble as the waters surge. Some of you maybe have memorized the beginning of these verses in a different translation that maybe says, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. That's what God is. God is our always accessible help. He is easily found in whatever trouble or circumstances we find ourselves in. In 2 Chronicles 15.4 it says, but when they turned to the Lord God of Israel in their distress and sought him, he was found by them. You see, God is not hiding. Sometimes we think in the overwhelm of life that God is hiding from us, that he is somehow not easily found. But this psalm tells us and Chronicles reminds us that God is not hiding. He is easily found that if we look for him, we will find him. He is accessible in whatever circumstances of life 
we may have. Through political upheaval or natural disasters, God is found there. He can be our refuge there. He is immovable in the midst of the storms of life. That's what God is. One commentator said this, In trouble, we need a refuge. In bodily sickness and weakness, we need healing ministry, careful watching, an arm to lean on. In perplexity, we need a wise counselor. In want, danger, or misfortune, we need timely help. In sorrow, sympathy, and comfort. Under sense of sin, we need a voice of forgiveness. And that is who God says that he is and whatever the needs are that we have in our life, that God is there. I don't know how your 2023 has gone. We're ready for it to end. I don't know about you, but we're ready for it to end. I'm ready for something new. And I don't know what's been happening in your life. If you felt attacked or you felt discouraged by the circumstances of life, if you felt overwhelmed, feel like between this rock and a hard place, maybe you find yourself at the end of 2023 spiritually and emotionally, physically depleted. The psalmist reminds us here that we can be assured that God is an ever-present help. He is immediately present. He is instantly available to help us. He has not moved away. He is immovable. He is there when we call upon him. One of my favorite worship bands lately has been Maverick City Music, and they have a song called Communion, and in it says, it says these words that he is closer than my skin, closer than the air I'm breathing in. That's where God is. He is present and here among us and ready to help us. And we can find protection and strength and stability in him. And these verses say, though there's earthquakes and mountains and all these things are happening, the mountains are crumbling into the sea, though everything else is shifting sand and shaking, God is immovable in this. That for you and your life, he can be your storm shelter in the tornado. He can be an unconquerable fortress in your life. He can be the flood wall in the storm surge. He can be the bridge to safety. He can provide hope in the discouragement and devastating circumstances of your life. Because he is here and he is here to help. We don't need to fear, it says, when the earthquakes come, when the mountains crumble, when the oceans roar, when the mountains tremble. We don't need to fear because God is in control. There's a big biblical word for this called sovereign, that God sovereign. Really what that means is it means, I put here, it means that he is absolute lordship in our life. You say, well, what does that mean? That still seems like a mouthful. I would say when he's sovereign and has absolute lordship, it means that he has the authority in my life without condition or excuse. That means that God is the authority in my life and has charge of my life without any ifs, ands, or buts, literally. We can't say, well, Lord, you get to be in charge if, nope, that's, that's, a, that's a condition. We don't get to say, God, you're in charge, but, no, that's an excuse. Because that's what it means for him to be absolute Lord. 
Jack Cottrell, who I had the privilege of studying under, said this, God has absolute dominion over all things. He is God of gods, King of kings, Lord of lords. He is the Lord most high over all the earth, the great king over all the earth. He rules over all flesh, all mankind, all nations. God reigns over the nations. He sits on his holy throne. He's in absolute control. He's sovereign secondly here because he's the creator, the ruler, and the redeemer of all things. Now we could take a whole year and unpack these things. I have books on each one of them that my professor Jack Cottrell wrote again about how God is the creator of all, how he is the ruler of all, how he is the redeemer of all. And finally, he's sovereign in that he controls everything that happens. He controls everything. But let me put this, even though he does not cause everything. He controls everything even though he does not cause everything. Sometimes God causes it, sometimes he permits it, sometimes he prevents it. But we can have the assurance that God's presence provides us the stability and protection that we need in our lives. And not only do we see this as the psalmist says it, but we see it lived out in Jesus as well. That Jesus is our refuge and strength. He said in Matthew eleven twenty eight, the same this is where that church plant that we get its name that they get its names from. The church eleven twenty eight gets its name from this in Matthew twenty eight eleven twenty eight, which says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. That Jesus himself says that he will be a place of refuge, just like the psalmist says, God is a place of refuge. We can turn to him. Remember that Eagles game I was talking about at the beginning? I was worried about how we were going to get out of there. And then I remembered I was with my brother. Some of you have met my brother. And if you've met my brother, he is a big man. He was bigger back then. He stands about 6'3". He probably weighed close to 300 pounds then. And so I said, uh, Sid, how are we going to get out of this? And he said, follow me. I'll get us out of here. This is what I did, is Sid led the way, and I put my forehand straight on his back and, and went like this. I cowered behind him, and he just walked. This is what Sid did. Sid walked, and I cowered behind him, touching, making sure my forearm was connected to him. And I thought, what a great image of what it means to have God as our refuge. That God goes before us and he protects us. And that we can trust in him. We need not fear. Now, if you're looking in your Bibles at the end of verse 3, they have their Bible open. Do we bring Bibles on Sunday morning anymore? All right. At the end of verse 3, there's this, in my uh, Bible, it's in italics. Maybe some, what, what does it say, anybody? At the end of verse 3, mine says interlude. Anybody else have something that says? Selah. It's actually found here at the end of verse 3, 7, and 11. It's this little Hebrew word. We're not exactly sure what it means. It's really just a 
pause in the text. The path translation says, pause in his presence. It's written there for us to intentionally pause and to reflect upon the words that have just been said. And so I want to do that today. I want us to follow the rhythms of this text. And I want to give you a minute to pause in silence and think about how God has been your refuge. Second attribute that I want us to look at today of why we should turn to God is that God is inexhaustible. I don't know if that's a real word, but I'm going to make it one today. God is inexhaustible. It says this in verses 4 through 7, A river brings joy to the city of our God, the sacred home of the Most High. God dwells in that city. It cannot be destroyed. From the very break of day, God will protect it. The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven's army is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. I've noticed as I've gotten older, and I just had a birthday about a week ago, that I get tired more easily. I know, it's a sign of aging, I think. Uh, Ted, our 15-year-old, he stays up later than me now on most nights. I find that when I go on vacation, I need a vacation for my vacation. Amen? Anybody? Amen, yes. I find that when I travel, which I do extensively for work, that I get home and I'm tired the next day. I am not inexhaustible. I am exhausted many days. But Scripture tells us God is inexhaustible. And although it says the foundations of the earth are shaking and collapsing, even in all the disturbances of the world, it says there is a river whose streams make glad a river who makes glad those who inhabit the a river that never dries up, an inexhaustible river. In this city of God, we see it seems to be threatened by the nations, but they're calmly protected by God who is in the midst of her. And the promise of God is that he is inexhaustible. He does not wear out. He does not run out. He is not like us. When we go to bed tonight, and even if you stay up till midnight, God is not going to bed tonight. He is inexhaustible. God will celebrate every time zone's New Year tonight. Not just ours. He is inexhaustible. And so he is this picture of this river, of this stream that will never run dry, that brings gladness to this city. When I think of this picture, I think of the city of Israel, and this is what is captured here. And in the city of Israel, it's a walled city. And if you cut off the city of Israel, you could cut off the river stream. And so what they did during King Hezekiah's reign is they built this tunnel. It's called Hezekiah's Tunnel. If you've been to Israel, uh, I myself at one time could squeeze through this tunnel and went through it. Uh, Some of you who've been to Israel have been through it as well. But what they did was they dug this tunnel. They started at either end and they miraculously came together in the middle. 
uh, and, and there's this river. And so even though the city of Jerusalem could be surrounded by its enemies, it continued to get fresh water. That the city would have gladness even in the midst of the despair around it because water is life. Water is life. And this is a picture of what God is, that, that in God we have life. I think the closest for us would be the Mississippi River. And we're familiar with the Mississippi River and how it brings life and goods and commerce and business. And devastating effects that we hear about most years if it floods or if, it or, or if there's droughts. Remember a couple of years ago, I think Rick was telling me about there was a cruise ship set to go down the Mississippi and they had to stop in Memphis because there wasn't enough water in the Mississippi. I heard about earlier this spring there was a drought and so in New Orleans what began to happen was the ocean began to flow back into the Mississippi by New Orleans causing devastating effects. But God is not like that. God is inexhaustible. He is a river who abides with his people providing his protective presence. Revelation 22.1 says, Then he showed me a river of living water, sparkling like crystal, flowing from the throne of God and from the Lamb. And we see God's power, his inexhaustible power in the troubled times. In verses 6 and 7 it says, The nations are in chaos and their kingdoms crumble. That sounds about as relevant today as when the psalmist wrote it, doesn't it? We live in a time and in a world where there is so many nations that are in chaos and so many kingdoms who are crumbling. But look at God's response. God's voice thunders and the earth melts. The Lord of heaven is here among us and God, the God of Israel is our fortress. You see, God is inexhaustible. He is living and active and moving and it's a reminder of God's sovereign power over the nations and creation. And not only do we see this about the God in, of the Old Testament, Psalm 46, we see this in Jesus himself as God said that he has been given authority over all things. And so we can say confidently that the Lord Almighty is with us. This is the ground of our assurance and it's in whom we have life in him. And so again, at the end of verse 7, there is this selah, there is this interlude where we pause now for a second and remember. final attribute of God that we get in these verses is that God is invincible. We worry and fear about a lot of things in life. I'd sat down the other day and I wrote down all the things I was fearing and worried about. You ready for this? I'd like to say this took me weeks to write. It only took me about two minutes. Here are some of the things that I was worried and had fear about in my own life. Many of the doctor's appointments that our family has had recently. Uh, Amy's work-life balance. I was worried about what to eat and what to wear. I was worried about tonight if Packers would beat your Vikings. 
I was uh, worried about earlier this year about could we afford a new deck. I was worried about over Christmas break our dog who was in the kennel. I was worried as I was writing this about a strange noise that I heard. Uh, worried about could I get all the wor work done that I had. Worried about if my sermon would be any good. That still to be determined. Worried about the reaction of uh, the board, my crossroads board who oversees me and what they would think about the work in our organization. I was worried about the churches that crossroads serves, over a hundred of them, and, and how they're doing. I've been worried recently about students in my classes and the grades they're receiving. Worried about my own work-life balance, my travel, and maybe most of all worried that our son is 15, has his permit, and my life as I drive with him. We have a lot of worry in life, don't we? So many things to worry about. And yet the psalmist reminds us that God is invincible. Here are the words in verse 8 through 11. Come, see the glorious works of the Lord. See how he brings destruction upon the world. He causes wars to end throughout the earth. He breaks the bow and snaps the spear. He burns the shield with fire. Be still and know that I am God. I will be honored by every nation... I will be honored throughout the world. The Lord of heaven's armies is here among us. The God of Israel is our fortress. And in this last section, the psalmist invites us to step back and to see what the Lord has done. He calls us to reflect upon God's deeds and his provision in our life to look at what God has done. And we need to pause occasionally. And at the end of the year is a great time to pause and to reflect back, and to think about all that God has done for us. What has God done for us this past year? Again, even though many of us are ready to be done with this year, what is it that God has done? How has God shown up? See, in the Old Testament, they had these Ebenezer, these stones of remembrance, of which they had these piles of rocks, and they remembered, this is how God has helped us. It meant thus far the Lord has helped us. What has God done in this past year? And the psalmist says we can be reminded that God is invincible. Even though our bodies broke, break down and we prayed about many people in the church whose bodies are breaking down. Even though you know, uh, things in our life don't go as planned. Our kids don't turn out as we want. Our jobs don't work out as we want. Even through all the chaos, God is invincible. He is in charge. And there's a reminder here that God will ultimately win the battle and deliver his people and bring peace. It says he breaks the bows and shatters the spears. God is going to bring his peace to this earth. Don't we need that now more than ever? And then it shifts, and God himself speaks to us and says, be still and know that I am God. And we like this, don't we? We like that imagery of being still and knowing that he is God. But this is not so much a call of reflection upon who God is as it is a call to surrender and to know him personally, to come to know and enjoy the closeness that you can have with God. Just as he will bring peace to the nations, he wants to bring peace into your life and into my life. And that will happen when we ultimately surrender our lives to him, when we let him rule and reign in our lives, when we let him be Lord of our lives. That's what he is calling us to do. 
See, God is the supreme authority of all earth, and he will end all the battles and all the wars. He is the Lord of hosts, the God of Jacob. He is our fortress. And this psalm is meant to be a psalm of comfort and reassurance for us. And we see that this psalm has been that. That God is to be the one who we turn to in times of trouble. In 1527, Martin Luther was going through times of trouble in his own life. We recognize Martin Luther as the one who is the founder of the Protestant Reformation. But in 1517, Martin Luther was experiencing dizzy spells. And he began to experience a great depression on his life. Around this same time, the Black Plague had come over Germany. And Luther's house became a hospital where many of his friends came and ultimately died because of the plague. In the midst of this, his one-year-old son suddenly became ill. And so Luther, like many of us today, is overwhelmed and devastated by the circumstances of life. And he turned to Psalm 46 for it to be his refuge. And he wrote this hymn, which many of us will know. He wrote this in response to Psalm 46, A mighty fortress is our God, a bulwark never failing. Our helper, he amid the flood of mortal ills prevailing. For still our ancient foe does seek to work us woe. His craft and power are great and armed with cruel hate. On earth is not his equal. That word above all earthly powers, no thanks to them abideth. The spirit and the gifts are ours through him with, who with us sideth. Let goods and kindred go, this mortal life also. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. His kingdom is forever. So my prayer this day is that you would find solace and refuge in your difficult times just like Luther did. That you can come to this psalm and see who God is and his protection, his refuge, what it's like to live under his rule and reign and ultimately experience the peace of God that can only be known when we surrender ourselves to him. See, I don't know what circumstances you're facing in your life today, what fears might be overwhelming you, but we can come and see the works of the Lord we can come and see and submit to his rule and reign in our life because he wants to bring his presence and his peace into our lives. We just simply need to surrender, to be still and know that he is God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your word in troubled times. And Lord, we live in troubled times, in a troubled world that needs you more than ever. So we ask that you would be our refuge in these troubled times, that we would seek you no matter the circumstances of our life, that we can turn to you, and when we turn to you, we will find you. Lord, thank you for all that you are and all that you do. Help us to be a people now who responds to that. We pray this in your name. Amen. Amen.